The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Please pray with me. Lord, meet us here today as we consider this gospel lesson. Teach us what we need to learn, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Melissa Blankenship. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a pastor of volunteering and city engagement here at City Church. Have you ever been to a wedding where you kind of know the person, maybe it's a coworker or an acquaintance, and uh, maybe it's a coworker from your last job. Uh, I have. I went to a wedding of a past coworker, and uh, when we got, they had a full table banquet at the after the service. And when I went to sit down, of course, the table I was seated at was kind of near the the outskirts and kind of near the door. I knew a couple of the other coworkers at the table. Um, and then there were other people that none of us knew, probably a second cousin or a friend of the parents. And uh, I don't, it didn't occur to me, and it, I don't think it occurred to anybody at the table to grab her place card and go marching up to the front to the host table. And like, um, Sean and I used to joke around on our breaks, and I'm pretty sure he'd want me sitting a little bit closer. That did not happen. <laughs> um, in this text... Jesus is invited to dinner on the Sabbath, and he's being watched, even scrutinized. And when he arrives, he's not just being watched, he's also watching. He's observing how everyone goes about choosing their seat. 
And this short teaching reveals, in a nutshell, the kind of interactions that, that God values. And we see it pop up in this story, and we can look around and find these moments in our daily lives as well. And here, Jesus invites these guests and all of us to let go of our social position, to let go of transactional relating, and this parable is about more than just dinner etiquette. First, we are invited to let go of our social position. Jesus is at a dinner in someone's house, and the guests are likely around the same social position because that's just how it works in society. You end up interacting with people you work with or people that are at your same social level or, or family. And that, those are the people you invite to your dinners. And uh, as he arrives at this dinner, he's watching as the other guests are figuring out where they should sit. And I imagine there were moments where guests are trying to negotiate who actually belongs in the better seat. And some guests that were there may have just known that they don't have the same kind of social status, and they might have resigned themselves to their lower position. And Jesus is also noticing those who assume they should be in the seat of honor. And there had to be at least one guy who went up to another guy and said, hey, buddy, you're sitting in my seat. And this all sounds like maybe a petty thing to focus on, uh, but social position is connected to influence, and influence is power. Dinner parties are a way to establish your position and your status. There may be even an opportunity for advancement, not just at the dinner, but in life. And it's still like that today. Banquets can be a who's who, a red carpet occasion. But even amongst the influential guests, there's still a pecking order. There's still a level of, of importance. And Jesus tells them this parable, which on the surface sounds more like advice or even just wisdom. It sounds like a proverb. Um, but before I talk about what Jesus is saying here, I want to pause and address the way that this can go sideways. This advice can be misused or misunderstood in two very different ways, depending on who's doing the listening. For the savvy, proud person, these words of wisdom that Jesus is offering could be used as a kind of false modesty, an act a way to be seen as the humble person who still gets to sit in the seat of honor. But for the person who already feels invisible, these words can feel demoralizing, like they deserve to be at the bottom, ignored and unwanted. Maybe you've heard this text before and it struck you as unfair the way Jesus says to sit in the lowest place, waiting to be invited to move up uh, to the more honorable seat. Maybe you've heard this and assumed you'd sit there in your seat at the opposite end of the room, unable to hear what the important people are talking about, and you might follow this rule and then not be invited to move up. Maybe not even be noticed to begin with. I think it's important to understand that Jesus is not trying to keep disadvantaged people in their place. The point here is telling the people with the power and influence to choose the less honorable seat, to give up some of their power, to honor each other in their choices. 
It's also important to remember that the people in the less important seats aren't less important as people or any less lovable, but it can feel like that to them sometimes. This wisdom Jesus offers is all a part of the way that God turns our values upside down. We value power, charisma, a full bank account, a prestigious job title, but over and over we see Jesus lifting up the powerless, the sick, the social outsider, and here he's doing it again. If these guests follow his wisdom and take the less honorable seats, then when the less influential person enters the room or the powerless and they go to take their place, the only seats left will be the places of honor. I find it interesting here that Jesus is a guest at the banquet, and yet he speaks up after everyone's seated the way a host would. He's being watched, and he uses that attention, even if it's negative attention, he uses that attention to talk and be heard and get to the heart of what's going on here. And when Jesus starts to speak, it may have been surprising because he was a guest, but some may have expected it because that was kind of his style. But either way, I'm guessing everybody in the room had to like turn when he started speaking and to turn to look to him because I picture him sitting on the cushion that was the farthest away from the host. I picture him living out the words that he's speaking to them at the dinner as a living parable. And the next thing that I see here is that we're invited to let go of transactional relationships. Jesus goes on to talk about the guest list. I mean, that's kind of personal, right? Um, first, he addressed the invited guests. Um, but the way the guests choose their seats of honor is, is just the tip of the iceberg, right? They were the guests. They just received an invitation. They have to find a place to sit, right? But now Jesus is addressing the host. Who is in the room? Who isn't in the room? That tells a whole story, and Jesus is naming that out loud. He's telling the host not just to invite his friends, family, and rich neighbors in case you might be repaid. Jesus has such a gracious way of addressing the heart of the matter. He's not framing this as an accusation when it probably really could have been. And we can be so steeped in a culture of transactional relating where we prioritize the people who can help us or those who are well-connected, that our motives fly well below the radar, even for ourselves. We've been so conditioned to notice success that we might not even realize that we are overlooking people that we would consider ordinary. When the host made the guest list, he would naturally invite friends and family, and then the rich neighbors the people with influence, the people that could help him do that thing he needs done, the people that he's been wanting to meet or to be noticed by. And this hasn't changed. Whole careers rely on networking, even entry-level jobs. You won't get into the interview if you don't know somebody because somebody else knows somebody and they've got a full slate of interviews because of that. It can be easy to miss the call to action here because it can sound like these words are for the billionaires, the entrepreneurs, the celebrities, and I'm not influential like that. But let's not move too quickly past this lesson. Uh, let's not easily convince ourselves that this doesn't really apply to us. Relating to people in a transactional way. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. This erodes true community 
and it bypasses love. When you give your time and attention to people who can't repay you, people who don't have something you want, who can't advance your career, then your vision will be cleared of all these distractions and you can see people the way that God sees them. And this isn't just a gotcha moment for Jesus. This isn't retaliation because they were watching him as, they, as he came in. He lived this way. We see story after story where he stops and honors the social outcast, the people who are considered unclean because of disease. Jesus spent time with people without influence, fishermen, tax collectors, women, and his words here describe the way he lived. And finally, this is about more than just dinner etiquette. Jesus is talking about a dinner party, but he's not just talking about a dinner party. This is how Jesus lived all the time. But we also know that this is about more than just etiquette because he called it a parable. A parable is a comparison. It's a story that illustrates a moral or spiritual principle. Jesus, Jesus often used parables to illustrate how God's ways are different from our ways. And if this is a parable, it's more than just advice for their own spiritual and emotional growth, and it's more than just wisdom to avoid social embarrassment. If this is a parable, then humility and inclusion are important values in God's economy. Jesus lived these principles. The incarnation shows us that Jesus left behind his position in heaven. He lived his life including all kinds of people. He healed the sick and brought the marginalized back into community. He lived this way because God loves and cares about the people society treats as less important. God loves everyone, but because of greed and inequity, it takes intentional focus to bring justice to those that society has left behind. As a church, we aspire to live this way as well. We want to continue moving in the direction of service, in acts of mercy, and in working towards justice. We want to notice those who are not on the guest list, not in the places of honor, and learn how we can be a neighbor that walks alongside all people. Reverend Dr. Dennis Edwards talks about this in his book, Might from the Margins. In it, he says, our culture is self-centered, and that includes Christians. Our fascination with celebrity leads us to highlight superstars and revere rugged individualism. Yet our society sends mixed messages. On the one hand, we say that humility is a virtue, but on the other hand, we give our attention to the loudest and proudest. It's not easy to figure out what humility looks like. Paul's description of humility entails considering others as being more important or better than oneself. This sounds impossible and downright un-American. Such humility is critically important for the survival of diverse Christian communities. In our times, the way that the dominant culture can practice humility is to relinquish power in order to learn from the disinherited. There is a cost to reprioritizing our lives in these ways. It's a way of living that values people over things, people over status. Jesus lived this way. Let us consider what it means for us to live this way as well. Please pray with me. Loving God, we ask you to show us where we are in this story. 
Show us how we can extend our influence to help others. Remind us that our worth and value come from you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.